You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, TV Spitzer and Farmer Dave, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits. Like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leanings. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Hey everyone, it is a book club episode. This book club episode is brought to you by... Golden Goat CBD, Curve Girl Plus Size Clothing. As always, check the show notes for links on how to get deals and free shipping on some things. All right. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose leaf and common broken leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, they have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House. In the show notes. This episode is brought to you by Donner. Check out the show notes to find a good deal at Donner. Like the sound of this? This is the Donner Island Delay and the really cool Donner LP that I've shown off on like Instagram. Check it out. I've got some really good summer deals and check out their snap deals as well. Use the link in the show notes to help support the show. Get yourself some cool musical instruments, maybe some patch chords. Cool. A Study in Scarlet by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle Book 2, Chapter 2 The Flower of Utah This is not the place to commemorate the trials and privations endured by the immigrant Mormons before they came to their final haven. From the shores of the Mississippi to the western slopes of the Rocky Mountains, they had struggled on with a constancy almost unparalleled in history. The savage man and the savage beast, hunger, thirst, fatigue, and disease, every impediment which nature could place in the way, had all been overcome with Anglo-Saxon tenacity. Yet the long journey and the accumulated terrors had shaken the hearts of the stoutest among them. There was not one who did not sink upon his knees in heartfelt prayer when they saw the broad valley of Utah bathed in the sunlight beneath them and learned from the lips of their leader that this was the promised land and that these virgin acres were to be theirs for evermore young speedily proved himself to be a skillful administrator as well as a resolute chief maps were drawn and charts prepared in which the future city was sketched out all around farms were apportioned and allotted in proportion to the standing of each individual the tradesman was put to his trade and the artisan to his calling in the town streets and squares sprang up as if by magic 
in the country there was draining and hedging planting and clearing until the next summer saw the whole country golden with the wheat crop everything prospered in the strange settlement above all the great temple which they had erected in the centre of the city grew ever taller and larger from the first blush of dawn until the closing of the twilight the clatter of the hammer and the rasp of the saw was never absent from the monument which the immigrants erected to him who had led them safe through many dangers the two castaways john ferrier and the little girl who had shared his fortunes and had been adopted as his daughter accompanied the mormons to the end of their great pilgrimage little lucy ferrier was borne along pleasantly enough in elder stangerson's wagon a retreat which she shared with the mormon's three wives and with his son a headstrong forward boy of twelve having rallied with the elasticity of childhood from the shock caused by her mother's death she soon became a pet with the women and reconciled herself to this new life in her moving canvas-covered home in the meantime ferrier having recovered from his privations distinguished himself as a useful guide and an indefatigable hunter so rapidly did he gain the esteem of his new companions that when they reached the end of their wanderings it was unanimously agreed that he should be provided with as large and as fertile a tract of land as any of the settlers with the exception of young himself and of stangerson kemble johnston and drebber who were the four principal elders on the farm thus acquired john ferrier built himself a substantial log house which received so many additions in succeeding years that it grew into a roomy villa he was a man of a practical turn of mind keen in his dealings and skilful with his hands his iron constitution enabled him to work morning and evening at improving and tilling his lands hence it came about that his farm and all that belonged to him prospered exceedingly in three years he was better off than his neighbors in six he was well to do in nine he was rich and in twelve there were not half a dozen men in the whole of salt lake city who could compare with him from the great inland sea to the distant wasatch mountains there was no name better known than that of john ferrier there was one way and only one in which he offended the susceptibilities of his co-religionists no argument or persuasion could ever induce him to set up a female establishment after the manner of his companions he never gave reasons for this persistent refusal but contented himself by resolutely and inflexibly adhering to his determination there were some who accused him of lukewarmness in his adopted religion and others who put it down to greed of wealth and reluctance to incur expense others again spoke of some early love affair and of a fair-haired girl who had pined away on the shores of the atlantic whatever the reason ferrier remained strictly celibate in every other respect he conformed to the religion of the young settlement and gained the name of being an orthodox and straight-walking man lucy ferrier grew up within the log-house and assisted her adopted father in all his undertakings the keen air of the mountains and the balsamic odor of the pine trees took the place of nurse and mother to the young girl as year succeeded to year she grew taller and stronger her cheek more ruddy and her step more elastic many a wayfarer upon the high road which ran by ferrier's farm 
felt long-forgotten thoughts revive in their mind as they watched her little girlish figure tripping through the wheat-fields or met her mounted upon her father's mustang and managing it with all the ease and grace of a true child of the west so the bud blossomed into a flower and the year which saw her father the richest of the farmers left her as fair a specimen of american girlhood as could be found in the whole pacific slope it was not the father however who first discovered that the child had developed into the woman it seldom is in such cases that mysterious change is too subtle and too gradual to be measured by dates least of all does the maiden herself know it until the tone of a voice or the touch of a hand sets her heart thrilling within her and she learns with a mixture of pride and of fear that a new and a larger nature has awoken within her there are few who cannot recall that day and remember the one little incident which heralded the dawn of a new life in the case of lucy ferrier the occasion was serious enough in itself apart from its future influence on her destiny and that of many besides it was a warm june morning and the latter-day saints were as busy as the bees whose hive they have chosen for their emblem in the fields and in the streets rose the same hum of human industry down the dusty high roads defiled along streams of heavily laden mules all heading to the west for the gold fever had broken out in california and the overland route lay through the city of the elect there too were droves of sheep and bullocks coming in from the outlying pasture lands and trains of tired immigrants men and horses equally weary of their interminable journey through all this motley assemblage threading her way with the skill of an accomplished rider there galloped lucy ferrier her fair face flushed with the exercise and her long chestnut hair floating out behind her she had a commission from her father in the city and was dashing in as she had done many a time before with all the fearlessness of youth thinking only of her task and how it was to be performed the travel-stained adventurers gazed after her in astonishment and even the unemotional indians journeying in with their pelties relaxed their accustomed stoicism as they marveled at the beauty of the pale-faced maiden she had reached the outskirts of the city when she found the road blocked by a great drove of cattle driven by a half-dozen wild-looking herdsmen from the plains in her impatience she endeavoured to pass this obstacle by pushing her horse into what appeared to be a gap scarcely had she got fairly into it however before the beasts closed in behind her and she found herself completely embedded in the moving stream of fierce-eyed long-horned bullocks accustomed as she was to deal with cattle she was not alarmed at her situation but took advantage of every opportunity to urge her horse on in the hopes of pushing her way through the cavalcade unfortunately the horns of one of the creatures either by accident or design came in violent contact with the flank of the mustang and excited it to madness in an instant it reared up upon its hind legs with a snort of rage and pranced and tossed in a way that would have unseated any but a most skilful rider the situation was full of peril every plunge of the excited horse brought it against the horns again and goaded it to fresh madness it was all that the girl could do to keep herself in the saddle yet a slip would mean a terrible death under the hoofs of the unwieldy and terrified animals 
unaccustomed to sudden emergencies her head began to swim and her grip upon the bridle to relax choked by the rising cloud of dust and by the steam from the struggling creatures she might have abandoned her efforts in despair but for a kindly voice at her elbow which assured her of assistance at the same moment a sinewy brown hand caught the frightened horse by the curb and forcing a way through the drove soon brought her to the outskirts you're not hurt i hope miss said her preserver respectfully she looked up at his dark fierce face and laughed saucily i'm awful frightened she said naively whoever would have thought that poncho would have been so scared by a lot of cows thank god you keep your seat the other said earnestly he was a tall savage-looking young fellow mounted on a powerful roan horse and clad in the rough dress of a hunter with a long rifle slung over his shoulders i guess you are the daughter of john ferrier he remarked i saw you ride down from his house when you see him ask him if he remembers the jefferson hopes of st louis if he's the same ferrier my father and he were pretty thick hadn't you better come and ask yourself she asked demurely the young fellow seemed pleased at the suggestion and his dark eyes sparkled with pleasure i'll do so he said we've been in the mountains for two months and are not over and above in visiting condition he must take us as he finds us he has a good deal to thank you for and so have i she answered he's awful fond of me if those cows had jumped on me he'd have never got over it neither would i said her companion you well i don't see that it would make much matter to you anyhow you ain't even a friend of ours the young hunter's dark face grew so gloomy over this remark that lucy ferrier laughed aloud <laughs> there i didn't mean that she said of course you're a friend now you must come and see us and now i must push along or father won't trust me with his business any more good-bye good-bye he answered raising his broad sombrero and bending over her little hand she wheeled her mustang round gave it a cut with her riding whip and darted away down the broad road in a rolling cloud of dust young jefferson hope rode on with his companions gloomy and taciturn he and they had been among the nevada mountains prospecting for silver and were returning to salt lake city in the hope of raising capital enough to work some loads which they had discovered he'd been as keen as any of them upon the business until this sudden incident had drawn his thoughts into another channel the sight of the fair young girl as frank and wholesome as the sierra breezes had stirred his volcanic untamed heart to its very depths when she had vanished from his sight he realized that a crisis had come in his life and that neither silver speculations nor any other questions could ever be of such importance to him as this new and all-absorbing one the love which had sprung up in his heart was not the sudden changeable fancy of a boy but rather the wild fierce passion of a man of strong will and imperious temper he had been accustomed to succeed in all that he undertook he swore in his heart that he would not fail in this if human effort and human perseverance could render him successful he called on john ferrier that night and many times again until his face was a familiar one at the farmhouse john cooped up in the valley 
and absorbed in his work had had little chance of learning the news of the outside world during the last twelve years all this jefferson hope was able to tell him and in a style which interested lucy as well as her father he had been a pioneer in california and could narrate many a strange tale of fortunes made and fortunes lost in those wild halcyon days he'd been a scout too and a trapper a silver explorer and a ranchman wherever stirring adventures were to be had jefferson hope had been there in search of them he soon became a favorite with the old farmer who spoke eloquently of his virtues on such occasions lucy was silent but her blushing cheek and her bright happy eyes showed only too clearly that her young heart was no longer her own her honest father may not have observed these symptoms but they were assuredly not thrown away upon the man who had won her affections it was a summer evening when he came galloping down the road and pulled up at the gate she was at the doorway and came down to meet him he threw the bridle over the fence and strode up the pathway i am off lucy he said taking her two hands in his and gazing tenderly down into her face i won't ask you to come with me now but will you be ready to come when i'm here again and when will that be she asked blushing and laughing a couple of months at the outside i'll come and claim you then my darling there's no one who can stand between us and how about father she asked he has given his consent provided we get these mines working all right i have no fear on that head oh well of course if you and father have arranged it all there's no more to be said she whispered with her cheek against his broad breast thank god he said hoarsely stooping and kissing her it is settled the longer i stay the harder it'll be to go they're waiting for me at the canyon good-bye my own darling good-bye in two months you shall see me he tore himself from her as he spoke and flinging himself upon his horse galloped furiously away never even looking around as though afraid that his resolution might fail him if he took one glance at what he was leaving she stood at the gate gazing after him until he vanished from her sight then she walked back into the house the happiest girl in all utah end of chapter two book two Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show and how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh submitting stuff actually you don't have to be a patron to submit anything that's how dave got on the show and that's how you can get on the show too it's the people's guide to the cthulhu mythos rate review subscribe tell your friends thank you for listening back to the show hey everyone it's me db new sponsor on the show clary Glary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. 
Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Glary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20 watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a Glary. spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit MonsterKidRadio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Book Two, Chapter Three. John Ferrier talks with the Prophet. Three weeks had passed since Jefferson Hope and his comrades had departed from Salt Lake City. John Ferrier's heart was sore within him when he thought of the young man's return, and of the impending loss of his adopted child. Yet her bright and happy face reconciled him to the arrangement more than any argument could have done. He had always determined, deep down in his resolute heart, that nothing would ever induce him to allow his daughter to wed a Mormon. Such a marriage he regarded as no marriage at all, but as a shame and a disgrace. Whatever he might think of the Mormon doctrines, upon that one point he was inflexible. He had to seal his mouth on the subject, however, for to express an unorthodox opinion was a dangerous matter in those days in the land of the saints yes a dangerous matter so dangerous that even the most saintly dared only whisper their religious opinions with bated breath lest something which fell from their lips might be misconstrued and bring down a swift retribution upon them the victims of persecution had now turned persecutors on their own account and persecutors of the most terrible description not the inquisition of seville nor the german Weimgericht nor the secret societies of Italy were ever able to put a more formidable machinery in motion than that which cast a cloud over the state of Utah. Its invisibility, and the mystery which was attached to it, 
made this organization doubly terrible it appeared to be omniscient and omnipotent and yet was neither seen nor heard the man who held out against the church vanished away and none knew whither he had gone or what had befallen him his wife and his children awaited him at home but no father ever returned to tell them how he had fared at the hands of his secret judges a rash word or a hasty act was followed by annihilation and yet none knew what the nature might be of this terrible power which was suspended over them no wonder that men went about in fear and trembling and that even in the heart of the wilderness they dared not whisper the doubts which oppressed them at first this vague and terrible power was exercised only upon the recalcitrants who having embraced the mormon faith wished afterwards to pervert or to abandon it soon however it took a wider range the supply of adult women was running short and polygamy without a female population on which to draw was a barren doctrine indeed strange rumors began to be banded about rumors of murdered immigrants and rifled camps in regions where indians had never been seen fresh women appeared in the harems of the elders women who pined and wept and bore upon their faces the traces of an unextinguishable horror belated wanderers upon the mountains spoke of gangs of armed men masked stealthy and noiseless who flitted by them in the darkness these tales and rumors took substance and shape and were corroborated and re-corroborated until they resolved themselves into a definite name to this day in the lonely ranches of the west the name of the dunite band or the avenging angels is a sinister and an ill-omened one fuller knowledge of the organization which produced such terrible results served to increase rather than to lessen the horror which it inspired in the minds of men none knew who belonged to this ruthless society the names of the participators in the deeds of blood and violence done under the name of religion were kept profoundly secret the very friend to whom you communicated your misgivings as to the prophet and his mission might be one of those who would come forth at night with fire and sword to exact a terrible reparation hence every man feared his neighbor and none spoke of the things which were nearest his heart one fine morning john ferrier was about to set out to his wheat fields when he heard the click of the latch and looking through the window saw a stout sandy-haired middle-aged man coming up the pathway his heart leapt to his mouth for this was none other than the great brigham young himself full of trepidation for he knew that such a visit boded him little good ferrier ran to the door to greet the mormon chief the latter however received his salutations coldly and followed him with a stern face into the sitting-room brother ferrier he said taking a seat and eyeing the farmer keenly from under his light-coloured eyelashes the true believers have been good friends to you we picked you up when you were starving in the desert we shared our food with you led you safe to the chosen valley gave you a goodly share of land and allowed you to wax rich under our protection is this not so it is so answered john ferrier 
in return for all this we asked but one condition that was that you should embrace the true faith and conform in every way to its usages this you promised to do and this if common report says truly you have neglected and how have i neglected it asked ferrier throwing out his hands in expostulation have i not given to the common fund have i not attended at the temple have i not where are your wives asked young looking around him call them in that i may greet them it is true that i have not married ferrier answered but women were few and there were many who had better claims than i i was not a lonely man i had my daughter to attend to my wants it is of that daughter that i would speak to you said the leader of the mormons she has grown to be the flower of utah and has found favor in the eyes of many who are high in the land john ferrier groaned internally there are stories of her which i would fain disbelieve stories that she is sealed to some gentile this must be the gossip of idle tongues what is the thirteenth rule in the code of the sainted joseph smith let every maiden of the true faith marry one of the elect for if she wed a gentile she commits a grievous sin this being so it is impossible that you who profess the holy creed should suffer your daughter to violate it john ferrier made no answer but he played nervously with his riding whip upon this one point your whole faith shall be tested so it has been decided in the sacred council of four the girl is young and we would not have her wed gray hairs neither would we deprive her of all choice we elders have many heifers but our children must also be provided stangerson has a son and drebber has a son and either of them would gladly welcome your daughter to their house let her choose between them they are young and rich and of the true faith what say you to that ferrier remained silent for some little time with his brows knitted you will give us time he said at last my daughter is very young she is scarce of an age to marry she shall have a month to choose said young rising from his seat at the end of that time she shall give her answer he was passing through the door when he turned with flushed face and flashing eyes it were better for you john ferrier he thundered that you and she were now lying blanched skeletons upon the sierra blanco than that you should put your weak wills against the orders of the holy four with a threatening gesture of his hand he turned from the door and ferrier heard his heavy step scrunching along the shingly path he was still sitting with his elbows upon his knees considering how he should broach the matter to his daughter when a soft hand was laid upon his and looking up he saw her standing beside him one glance at her pale frightened face showed him that she had heard what had passed i couldn't help it she said in answer to his look his voice rang through the house oh father 
father what shall we do don't you scare yourself he answered drawing her to him and passing his broad rough hand caressingly over her chestnut hair we'll fix it up somehow or other you don't find your fancy kind of lessening for this chap do you a sob and a squeeze of his hand was her only answer no of course not i shouldn't care to bear you say you did he's a likely lad and he's a christian which is more than these folk here in spite of all their praying and preaching there's a party starting for nevada tomorrow and i'll manage to send him a message letting him know the hole we're in if i know anything of that young man he'll be back here with a speed that would whip electrotelegraphs lucy laughed through her tears at her father's description when he comes he will advise us for the best but it is for you that i'm frightened dear one hears one hears such dreadful stories about those who oppose the prophet something terrible always happens to them but we haven't opposed him yet her father answered it'll be time to look out for squalls when we do we have a clear month before us at the end of that i guess we'd best shin out of utah leave utah that's about the size of it but the farm we'll raise as much as we can in money and let the rest go to tell the truth lucy it isn't the first time i've thought of doing it i don't care about knuckling under to any man as these folk do to their darn prophet i'm a free-born american and it's all new to me guess i'm too old to learn if he comes browsing about this farm he might chance to run up against a charge of buckshot traveling in the opposite direction but they won't let us leave his daughter objected wait till jefferson comes and we'll soon manage that in the meantime don't you fret yourself my dearie and don't get your eyes swelled up else he'll be walking into me when he sees you there's nothing to be afeard about and there's no danger at all john ferrier uttered these consoling remarks in a very confident tone but she could not help observing that he paid unusual care to the fastening of the doors that night and that he carefully cleaned and loaded the rusty old shotgun which hung upon the wall of his bedroom end of chapter three Do you like the TV series Tales from the Crypt? Are you interested in full episode and movie reviews from Tales from the Crypt? This podcast is for you. The Good Evening Kitties podcast, where I, Melissa, your ghostess with the mostess, recap every episode with special guests and bonus horror movie reviews. The Good Evening Kitties podcast can be found on most podcast platforms. Check it out today.
Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show and how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Back to the show.